we all want to be happier. But how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Hello. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I hope you're having a good day so far. And if you're not, I hope that this show makes you a little bit happier. Today's episode is a little different because today is the 30th, three zero episode of the Positively Real podcast show. And to some, that might not mean anything, but to me, it means so much because A, this is the most consistent thing that I've done content creation-wide in my life. That's a big deal. And B, I didn't know how long this is going to last because I've been so terrified to use my voice and to speak up. So I wasn't sure if I was going to last. And it's just kind of surreal because I had this idea in May of last year and I sat on it until about end of October and I launched in November and it's been, I don't want to say effortless because it takes a lot of work to do this and to put it together and plan everything, but it just like keeps pulling me forward. Like there's just something about it that keeps me moving forward. And maybe it's because I love podcasts so much, um, but there's just something about creating this for you that um, lights me up. So reflecting on this past season, it just brings up so much joy and, and, um, excitement because I don't know where this is going to go, but I like how it, how, how it feels. So I'm just going to keep moving forward. And it's really interesting because I was kind of, I don't know what I was doing, but I had this image of myself when I was a little girl and I remember this so vividly and I can't remember how old I was, but it was somewhere in between, elementary school and middle school. And it was when I was still using my imagination big time. Although I use my imagination a lot now, but this is like big time imagination. And I had this hand recorder and my friend and I used to record radio shows on this hand recorder and it'd be on this cute little tiny disc and we would record our show and then rewind it and and play it back. And looking back, it's like, this is way before podcasts were ever a thing, but it was almost like my calling back then because I loved recording stuff and that was just what I would do and I'd ha- we'd have this show. So here we go. Fast forward, what, like 20 some years, uh, 25 years or something like that. And I'm recording a podcast. It's a little bit more high tech than my little handheld. Oh, I wish so bad I could get my hands on those tapes. Like what was I even saying on them? Anyway, just so fascinating when you really think back of times when you're younger and how if you just listen, some of the things that we're interested in now like was pretty much set when we were little kids. But this episode today is a recap and highlights of my amazing guests and I'm just so grateful that they took the time to share their knowledge and wisdom and time 
with me to be on the show and to share it with you. And I mean, if there's anything that I've learned, it's that questions are the key to so many possibilities. It's interesting because the beginning of the year, my word of the year was curiosity. And there's a couple people in my life that are very curious and it's a quality that I have admired about them since I've met them. And I just love how they ask open-ended deep questions and they actually listen and they want to know more. And it is something that I've always admired. And I would just tell myself, I, I, I'm not like that because my brain is all over the place and I have a monkey brain, blah, blah, blah. And then through this podcast, it's really helped me ask good questions and listen and not think about what I'm going to say next, have a list of questions to ask, like just listen, actively listen and see what comes up. And that's been my biggest lesson throughout all of this. And if you would have asked me, oh, two years ago, if that was possible for myself, I'd definitely say no. So it's just amazing what happens when you just lean into something and you're open to the possibilities that it can create. And through this word curiosity, it keeps my mind active and not passive. I used to be so afraid to ask questions because I was so terrified of coming off dumb or not knowing enough. And I didn't, I don't know a lot about nothing, but the deal was like, if I didn't ask questions, no one would actually know that I, that I wasn't smart. And I would just nod my head and act like I knew what they were talking about. And it kind of put a wall up between me and the other person talking because I wouldn't know how to carry on the conversation, which what I've learned is by asking questions, the conversation stays open and you learn so much. So to me, curiosity is just one of the most amazing skills that you can have. Some people are just more curious than others, but it's definitely a skill that anyone can learn. And I think that I am a testament to that. So as I started to plan season two, I was really thinking about my intention and the intention is the same. Like happiness is not a destination, right? It's a journey. And I'm going to continue to bring guests on to help you really fully embrace that journey. And, and not only the good parts of the journey, I'm talking the dark and the shadowy and the hard and the challenging. Like I really want for you to learn how to embrace those challenges with open arms because it makes the joy, the love, the happiness, the light so much better because it you, you experience both ends because that is a part of the human experience. So I promise to bring on guests and topics that really help you embrace and learn that skill. And that is my commitment to you. Now, I genuinely want to know what topics and guests that you'd like on the show. Like, I'm not just saying it just to say it. I am. I mean it. Like, send me a message, email me, shoot me an Instagram uh, message, whatever it is. Like, if you have something you want to share, share. Like, I love feedback. I love to hear from you. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to build this community together. So before we get into the episode, the last piece that I want to share is my undeniable gratitude for you, the listener. I can't tell you enough how grateful I am that you listen to this show, that you share the message and you believe in my mission. When I set my goals for the year, 
my goal was to have 10,000 downloads by the end of the year. And we are at 7,500, so close to hitting that goal. And there's plenty of time left. And it's just so amazing that that's possible. Like, I can't wrap my head around that. And I know maybe someone listening doesn't think that that's a big deal, but it doesn't matter because to me, it's a big deal because that means that this message and my my why is hopefully helping at least one person. My whole goal when I create and think about the episodes is if one person takes something away or they think differently or they ask bigger questions and it shifts something within their inner world, then that means I've done my job. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a listener I know that there's a lot of podcasts out there. I listen to a ton of them and you could, you could listen to anyone and you probably do. And, um, which is great because it means that there is a need for these types of conversations. Uh, but thank you for just taking the time to listen to the show. And if you haven't already, I would be so grateful for a review, um, some feedback, anything that you want to share with me. Uh, season two is going to be hot. I already have incredible guests lined up up and topics and I can't wait. But before we get to season two, let's get into season one recap. Eknath Eshwaran is one of my, is my main teacher and he teaches meditation and mantra. He has an eight step program, like slowing down one pointed attention. So all of that, and all of that leads to more happiness in my experience and opinion to be able to reel in my mind when it's spiraling or uh, I sometimes say like being pulled down a dark alley, you know, and then I can interrupt that, intercept that negativity and come back to a mantra. I have prayers memorized so I can turn towards that. So it's not just turn away from what's negative. I have something, I have things very specific to turn toward, Mm. um, memorized and permanent for the past 12 years, I've had some, some things memorized. So, and that feels like it helps in my well-being of noticing when I'm being negative, interfering with that, pulling myself to something at least neutral or positive. Mm-hmm. So he was a big in, impact in my life. Awesome. I love that. And I love that about mantra. Is there one that you can share that's like your go-to that you've been using for the past 12 years that kind of pulls you from a negative space to a more positive one? Yeah. Yeah. Share my mantra. Is is that okay? Oh, absolutely. That'll be $500. (laughs) That's cool. Um, My mantra, and I actually got from the book, uh, I think it's called Mantra, the Mantra Handbook, and it's Om Mani Padme Hum. It's Buddhist. I'm not, but it is. And I think this is really important, uh, or it was intriguing to me, and I implemented it, is he said, pick a mantra for life. It would be like if you're trying to dig for water, like a well. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, dug a little bit, you dug two feet down and you're like, ah, no water. And so you move to a new location and dig two, three feet, four feet down. And like, ah, no water, new location. It's like, you're never going deep enough to find what, like the resource. So it's like, pick one, and dig deep, like, let it just be for your life. And then as you turn to it over and over, it has familiarity, 
it's so comforting. It's just been your thing the whole time. Mm. So I really liked that. So I chose it and it felt awkward at first. I was like, oh, Om Mani Padme Hum. I didn't know how to say it, mm -hmm. but I just wore worked on it, wore it out, wore it in. It's like, you know, an old comfortable pair of jeans. Now it's just my go-to for life. I love that. How would you define mindfulness? Ooh, um, the definition I always use is paying attention in a particular way on purpose without judgment. That is, you know, it's, it's paying attention of what's happening in the present moment in both the inner world and the outer world. Mm -hmm. And it's about just waking up and and really understanding that our lives only unfold in moments so it's moment to moment and then if so if we're not present for those moments then we miss out on what's most valuable in our lives mm -hmm. and so yeah it's just about waking up and and paying attention absolutely i think that last part without judgment is key because we are like we are our toughest critics right we are so judgmental on ourselves and the things that we say or the things that we do or what we wear or whatever however we show up and i think that that last part is what takes people away from actually being happy in the moment because they're being so judgmental especially on themselves like yes they can judge what's going on around them but it starts from within and sometimes that's a reflection of what's going on on the inside and what came out of my mouth next was like the first audacious statement goal I had ever voiced publicly. And I, I just said something to the effect of, you know, there's so many women who look at, you know, whether it was what I was doing or others that we look up to and draw inspiration from on social media. And, you know, I would have women say, it's so cool what you did. I wish I could start my own business or I have this idea and in the next breath, they would tell me and start to list off all of the reasons why they didn't know enough, they were afraid, they weren't ready, they weren't the one. And it made me step back and go, well, wait a minute, don't people know that's exactly what it feels like to build a business? That's exactly what it feels like <laughs> to chase a big dream. And so here I was telling this woman, I think we need to share the other side of the story so women know that yeah, you're, you feel like you want to puke. Great. That's the sign you're going in the right direction mm -hmm. or you have indigestion, one of the two. And so <laughs> she, I share this with her on the phone call and she, she paused and she said, Lindsay, if you don't write that book, who's going to? And in the next breath, I started to list off all the reasons why I wasn't ready and I didn't have time and I wasn't a writer. And it was like this moment where I saw myself doing the thing that I always do. This was not a new pattern. This was me talking my way out of anything that felt remotely uncomfortable or that I thought maybe I would suck at. And something came over me. It was like the scene in old school where Will Ferrell's in the debate and he's like, what happened? I blacked out. And I remember saying to her like, okay, here's my money. And this webinar, you know, this like program for aspiring authors started in two days. And I walked out of the office and looked at my husband and I said, so I think, I guess I'm going to write a book. Mm. And he didn't flinch because this is the man that I'm married to. He's amazing. I could say anything to him and he'd be like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And, you know, had encouraging words. But um, I just decided to full on declare war on my own comfort zone. And so saying yes to that, to that experience. And then the year that followed 
was the year that taught me about how getting out of my own way was a day by day, moment by moment process. So I've had a lot of transitions that I think have kind of sharpened this skill of, mm -hmm. of learning that it's okay. But I really just try to remind myself that as long as I'm authentic to what I'm doing and that I'm, I'm credible, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's definitely people that try and sell hair care products and then it's not going well. And so then they try to get a job here and then, you know, they don't love it. And then they try and do something else. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to try different things, but as long as you're honest about the journey you're going through and being authentic, you know, I don't sell the idea that I can design your website unless I'm experienced and good at designing websites mm -hmm. and I'm qualified to help you design websites. Mm -hmm. And there was a long time that I was doing it for free on the side with my friends to figure out, is this something I enjoy? Is this something I should really start a business around? Mm -hmm. Is this something that I'm qualified to do? And so I think being okay with knowing that nobody cares about what you're doing, you know, I think getting past this <laughs> sense of like, people are going to think I was a nutrition coach and now I'm helping businesses. And then I have a podcast and nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Like they're not thinking about you. We're all thinking about ourselves. So I think getting past that and recognizing that like transitions are normal, like how awful would it be to spend your life doing the same thing because you're afraid of what other people think or afraid that people are going to think that you are, are growing and changing when like, that's why we're here to grow and change, you know? So what advice do you have for someone that might be listening and being like, Oh man, like this is speaking to me. And they're in that stage of there's something else out there, you know, or, or they they have been something they're working on, but they're afraid. Like what, what advice do you give someone that is in that, that stage moment? I don't know. Um, I would say definitely start to <clears throat> figure out first how you can be one, figure out how you can not be one dimensional. Even if you're happy with what you're doing and you're happy in your current state, that can always change mm. and industries change. Um, the times change, people's interests change. And so the more you can be not one dimensional, the, the, a, the happier you'll be and the more security you'll have, mm. you know, as a professional. Uh, so I would say, uh, starting to kind of figure out, Hey, you know, what do I enjoy doing? You know, and it's one of those places you walk in and you just feel love radiating mm. everywhere mm. and she'd have 20 people in her waiting area just waiting for adjustment she took no scheduling was just open adjusting wow. and uh yeah you'd go in there and you just want to hang out like that's the place you want to be you know you just go you can just sit there and be there and just take in the energy um so i had my first adjustment with her and dr autumn was incredible she spoke volumes about the philosophy and just gave us a different paradigm of how to trust the body mm -hmm. and how to look more at what, you know, we have within us, not outside of us. And, uh, the first adjustment I had by her, I just, I couldn't hold back tears. And it was like the floodgates had mm -hmm. opened and all she did is connect to my system and then release something with me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all it takes. It just takes, you know, I'm here. I got you. Mm -hmm. And I just, from that moment, I just was so passionate about learning about what that was. Do you know what was released? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, this scared inner child that felt lost and didn't know left from right and up from down and was trying to fulfill a lot in her life that just was empty in meaning. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's what really opened up. And then my heart, like I had this frozen heart, 
You know, my mom said, like, I never even liked hugging anyone in my family. And now it's all I do. I get 50 hugs a day. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got the greatest job on the planet. You get you to know? hug people all day. Yeah. So it's just, it was really, it was a heart opening experience mm-hmm. for me. And I think that's one of my values is when I'm there with a person, like how much love can I open up with this person? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's loving service is one of our, it's our only technique, but it's the first technique we practice. I have built my businesses on three pillars, which are culture, community, and connection. So I call them the three C's. And everything that I do in the way that I teach dance and dance fitness falls back to the three C's. And it's intentional. So those moments that seem so small and insignificant are some of the most powerful moments Mm -hmm. of the entire class. And they are what resonates deeper and on a deeper level than just taking any sort of dance fitness class. And when we are in this opportunity of having to make eye contact with someone, it automatically lowers a barrier. Mm -hmm. It lowers your guard. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's such an important element of being able to feel safe and carried and cradled in a space that everyone feels the same way that you do. And when we have to look up and look out and, and not only see other people, but be seen, that's where the growth steps in. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that is where the work happens Mm -hmm. when you think it's about five, six, seven, eight or (laughs) step, touch, clap, shimmy here. What? It actually had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with the moment of, um, when we, you know, stepped into our power and allowed others to step into theirs through the walking mm. or when we formed a circle. So one of the things about forming a circle is, um, it is used as an element. And so there is a movement called, or excuse me, there is a therapy that is dance movement therapy or DMT. This mm. is a way that, um, therapists trained in this form can help people who have, and mostly, and a lot of kids, kids who have experienced trauma, this is how they um, can work through therapy and communication. And it takes place in a circle. Hmm. And it's three points where we are looking at someone across from us and we are um, shoulder to shoulder with people next to us. And that is when the wall comes down Hmm. and you are felt, you feel supported by these three by these three points. And so when we have done the hard part and got into a class mm-hmm. and we form a circle, mm-hmm. you instantly, yes, you'll have that moment of fear, that moment of like, oh my gosh, I have to stand. Wait, what? You're <laughs> looking at me? What? Because <laughs> from a you know fitness standpoint, we are not used to this. Mm-hmm. We are used to getting to the gym or getting to a place where it's like, save my spot and like, mm-hmm. step touch, let's go. It's like so intense. And it's like, you want me to just stand here mm-hmm. and to look at the person across from me and the person next to me and like smile and say hi. <laughs> and yes, the society we live in mm-hmm. is like 24 mm-hmm. seven holding heads a cell down. phone in their hand, mm-hmm. heads down. Um, I have to go out to the grocery store and like be seen or seen someone mm-hmm. or say hi. Like mm-hmm. this element of human interaction is more and more it's becoming normal mm-hmm. that we don't be let ourselves be seen mm-hmm. or see other people. Mm-hmm. We're bringing that back. Mm. We're bringing that back into dance and dance fitness and more than anything into having an experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I am on a mission to 
show people that it doesn't matter what the vehicle is that you're using to bring people together. The important thing is that you're bringing people together. You're connecting them. You are communicating with them. You are showing them love and you are showing them support and you are experiencing joy. And for a lot of people, it's sometimes the first time they felt joy in a really long time, or it's the first time that they have experienced joy for today. Mm. Um, I deal with a lot of women, a lot of moms and a lot of people that feel alone or unsupported or tired or worn out or constantly having all their energy sucked from them by other little humans or whatever it is. (laughs) And they get to come to a class and they get to take an exhale and reconnect with themselves who they are and to experience joy in another element and human interaction on a deeper level than through social media or anything else. And we need these opportunities to continue. So for me, you know, the movement aspect, I feel primes my body Mm -hmm. for the day, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with the blood flow and everything. And then the meditation for me kind of primes my mental state, you know, primes my cognitive thinking, my brain. um, And also just that reminder of, uh, we can always come back to ourself. You know, I, I feel like there's so much noise out there, you know, you know, and again, noise, not necessarily being good or bad, but just in general, right. Ton of distractions and we can get caught up and lost in all that. And it's kind of like we were saying earlier, you know, first thing you do is grab your phone and start checking mm-hmm. emails. Now you're lost in that world. And most likely that continues all day long where the meditation for myself, it kind of, it, it grounds me, mm-hmm. you know, kind of centers me and, Hey, I've got my breath, you know, in this state of nothingness, mm-hmm. you know, which is everything, <laughs> which right. is what I love. Yeah. Um, you know, getting to that point first thing in the morning is, again, for me, just sets me up for success. Mm-hmm. You know, it it allows for me to to give others my best, mm-hmm. you know, which, of course, you know, leads to ultimate happiness for myself, you know, and for them too. And that's, I love the combo of the meditate journal mm-hmm. because there are times where I'll have some of, some of my most creative writing, you know, after mm-hmm. meditating. And so what about environment and sustainability? What does that have to do with people's overall happiness and, and mood in general? I think that's personal to everybody. I think that, you know, there's, there are certainly a lot of people who have integrated sustainability and, and kind of putting an environmental lens on how they live their life Mm -hmm. and there's others that don't right and I think that a lot of it comes down to understanding and education and and realizing that yes we have this one planet and we can't continue just kind of taking everything we want and assuming that Mm -hmm. it's going to rejuvenate Mm -hmm. Um, and I think if you have a perspective and you look and say okay what's the What's going to happen to the next generation and the generation mm-hmm. after that? What are we going to leave them with? At some point, like it just it hits you at your core mm-hmm. where you realize that you can make adjustments and that those adjustments actually make you feel good, just like mm-hmm. um, making good choices with what you eat. Right. And so I think that for me personally, I have two kids and I want to be a, hopefully a good example for them and how they can be more conscious in the way that they live. Mm-hmm. This is where, you know, everyone is going to tell you different things. I'm not the typical work from home entrepreneur. And, and, you know, before anything else, like I I really encourage people to come up with your own systems. Like I can tell you exactly what I do in my day and how I make it work, but you got to try things on that 
that work for you. So if you're if you're you you're used to going to work and now you're home, and I say I get up at five a.m. and 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 do this morning routine, and it's not working for you, don't do it. Right? It's just it, it really is important to figure out your own your own flow because I was stuck um, in trying to study other people's routines and and other people's processes and systems, and I always felt like I was failing. So that's, you know, that's really important. It's just to take little pieces of information. Of course, there's going to be some common denominators that everyone who's successful working at home um, applies. The thing about the mindset is, and people can't see this, but you can. I keep these <laughs> brain models. Like I had to dissect the human brain and study it. And I, like, I'm obsessed about the growth mindset and the brain, which I'm glad that you have me on to share about it. But oh, yeah. the whole thing is what you fill your mind up with determines your outcome and then what you do with it. So the growth mindset is truly about what is your perception, belief system, and viewpoint that's going to help propel you forward? Because the very thing, the brain, and you can't, again, I'm holding it, but this will propel you forward or pull you back based on patterns, beliefs, and um, what you fill your brain with. So if you're in a fixed mindset, you might be someone who, when someone comes to you, it's, hey, do you want to try this new angle at work? Uh, oh, we're going through this pandemic right now. Do you think we'll ever get out this? And you'll go, oh my gosh, this is awful. We'll never get out of this. It's never going to work. Um, or you're, say outside the pandemic, you know, do you want to try something new? No. Why would I want to try something new? Like, I, I know and I'm comfortable with what this works. Gee, we've already, or you'll hear them say, we've already done this before. Uh, maybe we should try a new avenue. They're kind of already stuck in very old patterns and ways. And so I want you to think of a fixed mindset as almost like a birch tree. Um, they're, they're rigid trees. And so oftentimes when they get hit with the storm, they're fragile and they'll just, they're not fragile until they, when they get hit, they break though. They're very rigid versus a growth mindset is pliable, it's able to pivot. It says, oh, sure, let's try that. Or I'd love to hear your idea. We may go a different avenue, but let me hear what you have to say. Let me try something new for dinner. Let me listen to maybe some different music. Let's try a new way on how we see things. Boy, what I've been thinking for a while, maybe it's time for me to learn something new so I could reframe it. And now you're like the palm tree. Because when you go into a growth mindset, you're, when a storm hits or you're working on anything, you could bend down all the way down like a palm tree does in a storm and it bounces right back up. You, you hardly ever see. Think about the hurricanes that happen in Florida and the palm trees are still there. Mm -hmm. That's the growth mindset. They are pliable. They are moldable. They, during a storm, they get hit and they come back up. But a fixed mindset is very rigid. And every decade that we go in our life, or I should say every year, you want to make sure that your mind, body, and spirit is like the palm tree and its growth, that it's, it bends and it comes up. So do things that are keeping you loose. That's why I love what meditation and yoga does and all the things that we could talk about, but things that keep you in fluid motion rather than rigid stuck. What of your personal values do you need in an employer in order to feel connected and fulfilled to your work? It's a big list but get it all down on paper, digitally or physically, um, because this will serve as, in a sense, your roadmap for building your search searches for um, positions to hopefully come to your inbox in the next step. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that you brought that up because even, I mean, with my, with the coaching that I do, the first thing that we work on are values and the values are who you are. So if you work for a company that's not aligned with what you value, it's like, it's not going to be a good fit. And so it just allows you to, you don't have to just take any job because you need to take a job because if it's not aligned with who you are, you're going to be pretty miserable. So I love that you added that because it's so important to know what you value because what you value is who you are. It's not what you do. And that has everything to do with overall happiness and just well-being in general. So so glad that you brought that up. What do you think it is about being attached to the outcome and goals that like puts people at a disadvantage? Like when someone is super attached to the outcome and then the outcome doesn't work out the way that they want, like what happens there? Yeah, totally. This is such a good, good question because I feel like it's such a fine line. And I think it's one of the things that's most often misinterpreted about the work that I do. Like I definitely receive criticism quite frequently for being like a very rigid person and like being attached to the outcome because I talk about goals as like a really critical thing that needs to happen in your business and knowing that outcome and being attached to it to the degree that you can clearly name it. And I also think that people forget that they're the author of their goals and that they can rewrite them and edit them and delete them and change them whenever they want. And I also think that it's a fine line between knowing the outcome and knowing what you're working towards and knowing that destination and also paying enough attention as you're going along to pick up on the details that impacts that mm-hmm. for good or for bad and that change the way that you approach them. Mm-hmm. And I also think that I think that having a goal fulfilled can look a million different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, and if your goal is entirely derailed by something like this, that's, that's out of your control. I don't think it was a robust enough goal to start with, because if, if it was like a a goal that you could really lean into and that had enough meat to it, that it can look a couple different ways, then you don't have to throw it out the window when something like this happens. Mm -hmm. Mm, Absolutely. I think it's, you nailed it. It's, It's so important to know what that goal looks like, what it feels like, like how, how you can measure your yeah. success in quotation marks because it's going to look mm-hmm. different for everyone else. But if, if you're putting your worth and your happiness in that outcome and it's in, it doesn't look the way that you thought it would, that's when it can be detrimental totally. and it can look a bunch of different ways. And sometimes if it doesn't work out that exact way, it just means there's a something else to it or it's not quite there yet. So when you go out into the world, it's up to you to be able to maintain your state or maintain coherence within your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling uneasy, take note of what is it that's Mm -hmm. making you feel uncomfortable? What are the cues of danger in your, in your environment or in your body? Mm -hmm. Um, And also what are the cues for safety, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's, what's going to allow you to integrate and feel this sense of safety is you can have 100% control over that. You can have control over everyone else. Um, but if you can sort of design your experience where you feel safe, mm-hmm. then integration will be easier and you won't get kicked into a state of uh, fear or anxiety or that sympathetic nervous system or that dorsal nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do, the first, the first thing you do is you become curious and mm-hmm. you become aware, right? Mm-hmm. 
and just reflect on what was my cue for danger. A big part of self-love is, is forgiveness as well. Forgiving yourself for those moments when maybe you weren't your total best self uh, at that one time. Um, and radical forgiveness of like, I love me enough to forgive myself for that moment where I showed up in a way that maybe I wouldn't want to again. Um, that's self-love, you know? Um, self-love is, is knowing that you might not always say or do the things that you, you hoped you would do, but you're human and you get to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, self-love is saying, okay, I'm gonna try and show up in a better way next time because I love me. Mm -hmm. You know, self-love is just this radical like, acceptance of the and I don't even like so much using the words good and bad anymore because you know like like we love to label good emotions bad emotions happy excited good angry frustrated bad you know but actually they are all just part of our human experience and when we release the needs to label them as, as positive or negative or good and bad um we get to create some space to feel them all. And when you can feel the things that were a bit more challenging or when you can forgive the things that were a bit more challenging and love yourself through those spaces, you're actually able to get to the air quote good feelings, you know, quicker and in a more sustainable way. Astrology really is a map to understanding um, kind of what's going on in the world, right? So we have our personal and we have our collective experiences. We have our personal astrology charts, right? When we're born, we're born at a certain time, on a certain date, in a certain place. And all of those are really key components to discovering your astrological chart. And then from there, it's like a map. And so then you, when astrology, it's like you're studying the map of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so we have, um, the planets are always moving and shifting and coming into different relationships with one another. And so we have a collective experience of what's happening and how it's affecting us on a, on a global scale. We have the United States has its own astrological map. We can map out and see what's happening for us um, just in this country. But then it's like you take the planets and what's going on collectively and it's like, well, how is that affecting me personally, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have our personal charts. So there's, like I said, there's layers and layers and layers to it. Um, and yeah, there's a lot going on right now. We have several planets in retrograde. So when retrogrades happen, it means the planets start to like slow down and retrogrades like all the rewords. So it's like review, revisit, you know, revise. And so I think people are most familiar with Mercury retrogrades. That seems to be the more like popular one that people talk about where they're like, oh, it's Mercury retrograde and you blame certain things happening <laughs> on this and that. And it's like, oh, Mercury retrograde. And it's really like things kind of like, say you want to call them obstacles or really they're just like instances that make you kind of like review or like level yourself up. I think that when we first entered this period of quarantine and everyone had found themselves in their homes, shuttered in, um, you know, in your pajamas every day, not taking the time to get yourself together because that, that routine was disrupted. How even the simple act of doing your makeup and hair represented way more than just hair and makeup. It was like putting yourself together, getting yourself ready for the day. You know, Superman wears a cape. Maybe for some it's your power heels or your power lip, but that that 
that is an act of self-care, you know, the, the desire to want to present the most polished version of yourself to the world because that is saying something that is a statement. So um, once you're really able to connect the two and like how important and valuable it is to take time to focus on yourself and to put yourself together and how when you do take the shower, how much different you feel and when you do put on a proper outfit, even if it is yoga, you know, pants, but if it's cute, like you feel different and how you feel matters and the way that you feel is important and what you do to make your self feel good is absolutely critical to being resilient especially right now when it's really easy to feel down so knowing what makes you feel good and finding those spaces that allow you to do that and connecting with the people and communities and even things like a, an experience um is important and so we definitely encourage that and it has allowed us to take what we do in studio which is really self-confidence we literally just remind you of how bomb you already are like you're already beautiful we don't you know contour unless you ask for that because you don't need to contour what we're here to do is remind you of what already is beautiful and special about you and that is the uniqueness that only you are well there you have it season one in a pretty little bow I want to hear from you. What has been your biggest takeaway or your favorite episode or something that you might have started implementing after listening to a show? Send me a message on Instagram, an email, leave a review. I want to know. Send it my way. Uh, yeah, that was so fun. I have all the feels just kind of going back into those conversations and just remembering that, that experience with, um, my guest, it's so crazy. Like with the, with the interview, I mean, I know that I get so dialed in and it's just, I could go back to each of those conversations and I remember them so vividly. So, so cool to be able to do that and share it with you. So I've been working on some stuff and I have a big old surprise and I can't spill the beans. It's not, I'm not, no beans to be spilt yet, uh, but make sure you're signed up for my emails because I want to make sure you are the first to know when this new, new is launched and the new, new podcast, but also something else that I've been working on. So Anyway, just a little teaser because there are some goodness coming up and I want to make sure that you are the first to know. All right, my beautiful friend, thank you again so much for your time, your focus, your ears, everything. Just thank you for being you. I hope that you have a beautiful day and remember to love yourself own your happiness and let your light shine because you are so worthy of it. Yes. Yes, you are. You're so worthy of it. Yes. All right. I'll see you in season two.